Welcome to Strictly Business, Variety's weekly podcast featuring conversations with industry leaders about the business of media and entertainment. I'm Cynthia Littleton, business editor of Variety. Today, my guest in New York is Kathleen Finch, chief lifestyle brands officer for Discovery. Finch's role at Discovery might be best described as the executive in charge of comfort food TV. She oversees 11 brands in the Discovery universe, from Food Network and HGTV to TLC and ID. Finch discusses the challenges and opportunities of programming linear lifestyle networks in an on-demand world. She also addresses the tensions in the marketplace between Discovery and some of its independent producer suppliers. And she explains how Discovery is building out its digital footprint by becoming an invaluable resource to fans who like to roll up their sleeves after watching a show. Kathleen Finch, Chief Lifestyle Brands Officer for Discovery. Thank you for stopping by. Happy to be here. It's been almost a year and a half now since Discovery acquired Scripps Networks Interactive, where you had been head of programming for channels such as HGTV, Food Network, Cooking Channel, a great array of lifestyle brands. About 18 months ago, you came, Scripps came together with Discovery and created a, a true cable programming powerhouse. And you are you oversee 11 channels and the Digital Studios Group, channels including HGTV, Food, TLC, ID, Travel Channel, DIY Network, Discovery Life, Destination America. It's a, it's a long list even just, even just to read them. How has your job changed and how has the way you work changed now that you are overseeing this much larger group of much larger portfolio of channels? Well, my job has changed by becoming exponentially more fun and more exciting. You know, I love all these brands. I mean, to me, one of the biggest opportunities was to actually work with the TLC team because I've been a huge TLC fan forever. I couldn't admit that when I was only <laughs> in scripts because they were a competitor. But now, you know, we were frenemies and now we're partners. And to be able to work with all these great brands and use all the power that we have to pull these brands together is just a really exciting opportunity. You know, we, we just announced and we were just very proud of the fact that we now have collectively the most female viewers of any cable company. And, and to be able to take all those women, harness all those Uber fans and find ways to grow them, to super serve them, to move them from network to network is really an exciting opportunity. And it's just a fun piece of the puzzle of the new job. It's a lot of work. You know, my day-to-day is definitely very different, but it's all fun, exciting opportunities to take these uber fans that all of our networks have and super serve them in ways that nobody but Discovery can do. Are you, I, I imagine a giant whiteboard with, you know, do you, do you actively look for ways that you can blend the audience or bring audience from one network to another show, uh, to a show on another network? Is that the kind of strategic thinking that you're absolutely because it's such an opportunity to do that you know what we do is we'll bring all of our really smart leaders into a room i've got henry schleif howard lee jane latman courtney white you know all of us will sit down together and we will sort of spitball okay this big project is coming what can we do to really grow the audience i I think we're going to see that in action like never before in a couple weeks when we launch a very brady renovation on hgtv we've got all the networks across discovery leaning in to find ways to promote that. We've got the cast that are going to appear on other shows on other networks. We're doing a lot of cross-promotional opportunities. And that's such a great way to say, all right, we've got this iconic, big, watershed moment for HGTV. 
what can all the other brands do to pull their fans in and let them experience it in maybe a different way? So on Food Network, we have the cast of the Bradys appearing on a sister-brother face-off on Chopped. Um, or we've got uh, the pioneer woman who's going to come to the renovated Brady house and shoot her show in the kitchen of the Brady house. So, I mean, all these different things that we can do to take sort of a fun idea and and make it exponentially so much bigger because we now command the majority of female viewers, It's that's a really fun thing, and we've got great brains behind it. Um, how, when you get to the granular level of of you know our episode by episode programming when you look at discovery it is one of the you know it is one of the industry's largest spenders on programming one of the biggest commissioners of shows and, and for many of your networks you tend to commission you know large large episode orders 30 and 40 episodes are not unusual how just as a as a practical matter as a business how how hard is it to manage that level of programming that you're, the original content that you commission for all of the channels? Well, it, it's not hard because we've got the best programmers in the business. I mean, I, I really say that, you know, and, and believe it wholeheartedly. You know, you look at something like TLC, the hottest network on cable right now, and that is because of Howard Lee and his team. They think through every single episode of every single show. So we're not sort of sitting, I'm not sitting certainly above and sort of manipulating anybody's programming decisions. I've, I've empowered the best people in the business to do that. They all live and breathe those brands on a 24-7 basis, so they're able to really manage it. The volume is huge, but the volume is born out of success. So if something really works, we will double down, we will triple down, we will create spinoffs, and that's very much you know what these teams are dedicated to doing. That's why something like ID has the longest length of tune in the industry because people will sit down, they'll find a show that they like, and Henry and his team have made mirror shows that just keep sort of super serving that audience in that really you know narrow lane of crime um, and doing it better than anybody else. So the teams really focus almost with blinders on on what their lane is. They don't, you know, they'll experiment, they'll push the boundaries, but they never leave the lane. So that makes the programming decisions I won't say easy, but it gives them a path to follow. So it's not as if everybody's scattershot trying a thousand different ideas. What they're doing is they're very much in the mindset of what the viewer wants and then iterating on it in, in little you know, ways that just keep it fresh, but that keep the viewer coming back night after night after night. Mm -hmm. There's a real, um, you know, there's almost a specialty community of producers that are, you know, really good at, at delivering lifestyle programming, you know, at volume in success, as you said. And it's, it's very clear right now that, that with Discovery and other big cable groups, there is some tensions in the marketplace. There's a feeling among producers that budgets are being squeezed, that they're being asked to do more with less, and that it's, it's very difficult and very difficult for them to make their living on that traditional, you know, 10%-ish margin on the show. Has that, you know, has that affected? Have you felt that effect of those tensions? Do you, do you feel like that there is, um, you know, that, that producers are, are having trouble, you know, delivering the kind of goods, the kind of shows that at the, kind of, at the level, the production level that you want? I wouldn't say that we felt tension. I mean, the reality is the business is changing. You know, the business is definitely changing, but we are still probably the most in-demand content commissioner that anybody wants to work with. You know, we, we can take an idea, and, we, and we're a really good partner. We work very, very closely with our producing partners. We can take an idea, and if it works in success, 
which comes from our nurturing it on the network side, them nurturing it on the production side. In success, we're making hundreds of episodes. You know, 90 Day Fiance, probably the most popular show on cable right now, ruling on Sunday nights. That started as a 13-episode order of one show. It's now four spinoffs. It's ruling Sunday nights on TLC. It's now got a spinoff that's ruling Monday nights on TLC. So that's all benefiting Sharp, the producer who makes that show. House Hunters, we commission 400 episodes a year of House Hunters on HGTV, chopped on Food Network. You know, in success, these shows and these partnerships that we forged are basically annuities for these production companies because we can keep ordering them and ordering them. Has the business changed for them? It's changed for all of us. You know, it's it's not the same business that it was. We don't go from a pitch meeting to automatically greenlighting 13 episodes. That's what we did five, ten years ago. But the business can't sustain that anymore. So the really good partners, the ones that we work hand-in-hand in the creative process with, we don't feel tension. I mean, to them, it's an opportunity to work with us and find a success. So is the is the business changing? Absolutely. Has that caused issues for us? It hasn't. Who do you think in the independent producers that you've worked with, what are the qualities that you see in the, in the companies that are successful and del- and have been successful in delivering successful franchises that, that lend themselves to iterations and spinoffs? The two most important qualities that we look for are storytelling and talent development. You know, everything that we do on our lifestyle networks really starts with talent. You know, we may come up with a great format idea. We may come up with sort of a fun how-to idea. But our big, big hits, for the most part, have great talent fronting them. And, and we don't find our talent because William Morris brings them to our offices in New York City and sits down for coffee. Right. They don't find that couple in Texas that has the really great eye for design, like no. Chip and so, Joanna Gaines. Yeah. So one of the things that we really value in our producing partners is there are eyes and ears for talent scouting. So, I mean, High Noon is a great example of that. And they're the ones who did bring us Chip and Joanna Gaines. We know... High Noon knows what we want. They know what works on our network. So they've got people all over the U.S. combing, is it a hardware store? Is it a restaurant? Is it, you know, somebody in the, in the crime space? Is it in, in the police d- department? We have all these experts that we put on our air that are not found through traditional means. So one of the most valuable things that we need from a producing partner is somebody who's, who's got a good eye for talent. But then the storytelling really lends itself to documentary producers, former journalists make up a lot of the people out in the field for us. So it's people who know how to take a, a relatively simple idea in our narrow lane um, and then tell a story around it. And, and that those are the partners that we go back to time and time again with our own internally generated ideas, which are about 50% of our ideas. I'd say about 50% come in from the production community cold, um, and then about 50% we create ourselves and then go out to our preferred partners and give them the idea. Mm-hmm. I hear you. Thank you. Um, and this is kind of a nebulous question, but what I was going to ask you about the, the scouting for talent, because as you say, it's not people that come in that have always yearned to be on stage with headshots. I mean, the, your best people, I'm sure, are you know people you that you would have never expected in places you would never look for you know future t- future TV stars. What, in your experience, having done so many shows and, you know, and been involved with people that really became stars on TV, the, you know, the best ways TV births its own stars, um, are there any common threads to the people that, ha- that you have seen really emerge 
uh, off of television? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I mean, I, I have what I refer to with the team as the clicker test, <laughs> meaning if you're sitting at home and you're watching television and you're scanning through with your clicker, if somebody on that screen doesn't make you stop in five seconds, don't even give them the time of day. Somebody needs to have that magnetic sort of that it factor that's impossible to describe, but you know it when you see it. I mean, I still remember so vividly the first time I put in a tape and saw the Property Brothers. It was like, oh right. my God, our female fans are going to go crazy for these guys. We have got to get them on the air. So there is that sort of something that happens. And frankly, I, I like to look at people on tape. Meeting them in person does not always tell the same story as how they're going to resonate on television. So. I like a Skype interview with somebody. I like somebody being shot on their cell phone. You know, what's what's the viewer experience with that person going to be? And it is sort of indescribable, but it's this sort of personality that cuts through. Plus, in our case, we need real expertise. You know, you really need to be a homicide detective. You really need to be a real estate agent. You really need to come from a dynamic family. You know, there has to be something real about you because we're not casting people in our shows we're following people as they live their lives, and that's a really big difference. And you can be the best chef in the world, but if you're not telegenic, it just doesn't matter. You're never going to be a star. So there's a little bit that we can do to get people ready for television, but they have to have been born with it, frankly. But it is interesting about the, a lot of the talent on your air. You're right. They come to the screen. They 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 are on screen because they are experts in a particular field, and, and the the. The, and are able to translate that to television. And that, I mean, think about all the, the boxes that we have to check before somebody is put on our air. It's a huge number of boxes because you might be living this fascinating life with you know, this really dynamic family and you might think that you're the greatest story ever for TLC, but if you don't pop on the screen, viewers aren't going to invite you into their home every night. So it, it, is, it is a needle in a haystack kind of process. And when we find these people, it's like gold. Um, but that is something that probably occupies 80% of our time, is finding that talent, mm-hmm. finding the producers who are good at finding that talent, and then building a vehicle around them that America wants to watch. Do you look, um, I mean, in terms of covering the country, do you look for, like, local news stories about interesting people? Like, how do, how do, you, how do you go about finding the small town? We do. We find a lot of people through, you know, a local news story. We find a huge number of people on social you know, one of, of our biggest stars now on Food Network is Molly Ye, and, right. and we mm-hmm. found her. She was a she was doing food on Yahoo. Um, another person that we found is um, Ben and Aaron Napier, the, a couple who do Hometown on HGTV, big show on HGTV. We found Aaron, the wife, on Instagram. She had this very compelling Instagram account. She was doing these really pretty um, line drawings of home renovations. We thought, oh, that's very attractive. These are very, very pretty pictures. We called her up. She sounded great on the phone. We took a look at her. She was lovely. She had this adorable husband. Next thing you know, we've got a hit show on HGTV. So we find people in many, many ways. It's rarely, though, through William Morris or CAA. Now, certainly once the talent becomes stars, they <laughs> become represented. The and, and that's a good thing. That, that's a good thing for all of us. But it's not a traditional way of casting. It's, it's a much more nuanced sort of hunt and search method as opposed to just sitting and waiting for, you know, casting call appointments. And it must be kind of gratifying to see people that are really good at something they're passionate about, take that to television and then become, you know. Oh, it's, it's, I mean, every time I walk by a Lowe's and I see the Property Brothers furniture (laughs) in the window of the Lowe's, it's like, wow, 
they deserve that. They are incredible stars. They inc- they are incredibly gifted at what they do. They're incredible designers. It's very gratifying to see people sort of grow and thrive and, and build a big fan base. You mentioned, of course, the business is changing, which is, I think, an understatement. Um, but one of the things that is so interesting about your the, the discovery the discovery portfolio in particular and, and many of your channels is the high volume of live viewing. And, you know, we're not talking about news programming. We're not talking about, you know, something that is so topical for that minute. What do you think it is that drives all that live viewing? Yeah, it's, it, we are so excited that, that that is the case. And you're absolutely right. It's the only thing that people normally watch live is news and sports. Right. And our lifestyle networks. <laughs> you know, and I think the reason, and, and, and we're up in the 95th, per, you know, 95% or something of, of last time I looked of HGTV's viewership is done live. I think it's because, you know, we were talking about the talent. So much of it starts with the talent. You know, our viewers think of these people as their friends. We teach them, we inspire them, we encourage them to live their best lives. So there's this sort of comforting feeling that all of our networks bring. So that sort of starts it. But we also, we, we, we stay very much in a very narrow lane, which is a good thing. And we super serve those fans. So if you are somebody who loves crime programming, which is something that you know is on fire right now, you know that the only place to get, there are many places to sample crime programming. The only place to get it 24-7 is ID. And ID produces an incredible amount of premiere hours, much more than most cable nets. So not only do you know that you can come to ID 24-7 to have your crime fix satisfied, you can come every night and get a premiere. So we build a business model that super serves this, this passionate fan base, unlike you know, Tuesday night I'm doing crimes or Wednesday night I'm doing food. You know, other networks right. like to dabble in what we're doing, but we super serve that audience. So it gets them coming back time and time again. And one of the, the things that, that some people might think I would be offended by, but one of the things I hear very often is, oh my gosh, I love Food Network. I turn it on. I just leave it on in the house all day as I wander around. Well, I love that feeling. You know, I love that. It's right. wallpaper. It's sort of that comforting I'm dipping in, I'm dipping out. It's almost like, you know, we all used to listen to the radio when we were growing up. It's just that sort of feeling of uh, there's something there. It's my friend. It's Ina. I'm hanging out with Ina for the afternoon. You know, that sort of um, engagement that we have with our fans is so different than a typical television watching experience. And it's very purposeful. The, The other thing that we work very carefully to do is really keep our length of tune very, very high. So, again, because our shows are not comedy at four o'clock and then drama at five o'clock it's a very similar viewing experience if you turn it on at four o'clock at seven o'clock the show might be different but the experience is very much the same right the theme so is the, the theme, theme and, and sort of the atmosphere and the mood you, you will turn it on at four o'clock and look up and oh my god i've spent three hours in front of this network well that's very purposeful <laughs> Been there with the food network I, thank you we like that but that's very purposeful and and that's another way that we can get people coming back and watching us live which of course from the ad sales standpoint, it's so hard to find live viewers anymore. It's getting harder and harder and harder. So if you're a car dealership and your sale starts on Saturday, or if you're a movie that's going to come out on Friday, you know the immediacy that, that the live viewing our networks offer is incredibly valuable to advertisers. And you have in some of your verticals, like food, like design, you have, there's such an opportunity for to be, to have, to have a digital resource that complements it. 
um, you know, Food Network has an amazing archive of recipes and vid- and how-to videos. Um, how much would you say your focus right now is on the sort of the linear experience, the the linear shows, and how much are you looking to the future of building out you know digital extensions that I know Discovery is looking at on a global basis in many areas. Every single piece of linear content that we produce has a digital content companion. Every single piece. So whether it's a digital series for our Go apps, like for instance, right now Flip or Flop is on HGTV. On our on our digital platform, we have something called Terex Flipside, which is a spin-off digital series, short form series based off of Flip or Flop. So we, we provide a linear experience and then we immediately drive to a digital experience that's similar but different. That's in addition to all the streaming that we do with all of our long-form episodes. So you can go to our digital platform and stream the episodes, but much more importantly, you can get recipes. You can get you know behind the scenes of 90 Day Fiancé. You can get a talk show about our made specifically for our ID addicts. You know, there are all these things that we offer on the digital platform that enhance the linear experience, but also provide a different experience, um, especially in the world of home and food. If you're walking into a grocery store, we want you looking at your phone at a Food Network recipe. If you're walking into a Home Depot, we want you looking at your phone for the materials that you'll need to build the doghouse that you just saw on HGTV. So we always think of everything that we're doing as a 360 experience. You know, in the future, can we commoditize that experience? Can we build out new businesses? Absolutely. Um, so we always think about how can we take those genres and figure out the best way to really engage that fan and then turn them into a customer in a different way. Are you seeing digital growth? Are you seeing you know continued uptick in people using? Absolutely, um, especially in the food world. I mean, you know, food recipes, how-to demonstrations. Um, we own all the big names in the food world. You know, when you think about a household name chef, it's a Food Network chef. So, and they have got huge social followings. So, there's so many ways that you know we can grow that fan base. Um, and, and really capitalize on that fan base. And I saw something really interesting. This week, we launched a new show on Food Network called Restaurant Stakeout. We didn't really, with, with Alex Garnaschelli as the host, we didn't really do a lot of marketing for the show. We kind of quickly got it up on the air. All the Food Network talent, who are just a bunch of really good guys, they all leaned in and they rallied behind this show. And they were all sending out Twitter messages and Instagram messages Guy Fieri, all of them were saying, hey, watch my friend Alex's new show. Well, it ended up launching as the highest rated show on Food Network that night. Purely, I think, through all the social activity that our talent were able to generate. So the power of those Food Network talent and what we can do with them when they rally together behind something is very big. That's a, that, that's an absolute engine to harness, for sure. Um, you, if, I'm, if I understand right... Most of the streaming that is available on your shows is authenticated, so it has to be for people with a with an existing cable subscription. Do you feel at all hemmed in by that? It's obviously it's a moment right now when the industry is very focused on you know the direct to consumer experience. Well, I, I wouldn't say hemmed in. I mean, because one of the things, I mean, there are different ways to look at it. You know, yes, most of it is authenticated because obviously you know we have our affiliate partners, which are very important to the whole ecosystem. But at the same time, we have a lot of marketing opportunities through social. So on Sunday nights, when 90 Day Fiancé is on, 
the Twitter sphere is lit up with crazed fans <laughs> commenting, questioning the gifts. I mean, the whole thing. It's just, you know, Twitter and, and the whole social landscape is going nuts about this show. What I love about that is even if people aren't watching the show, even if they aren't subscribing to a cable system at that point, there's so much chatter about that show that it builds awareness for TLC. It builds awareness for 90 Day Fiance. You know, it's such a great way to kind of get people in the tent who might not normally be. Um, but I wouldn't say that we're hemmed in. It's, it's you know, similar to the, to the talking about the production community. The landscape is changing. We're all figuring out how do we get our content in the hands of all the people that we want to have it? How do we structure a different sort of deal? How do we, you know, create a new business? What is it that we can do with these great brands? So it's it's not as much being hemmed in as it is figuring out disruptive, exciting things that we maybe can do in the future. Um, I have no doubt that uh, I have no doubt that your intrepid leader David Zasloff is is spreading those tentacles and figuring out how to how to get discovery content uh, everywhere it needs to be. I think. Is- oh, absolutely! You know, one of the really exciting things that we've been doing just in the past couple of weeks is we've been rolling out HGTV around the world, and I have had the privilege of going to UK, to the UK to announce it, to Germany to announce it, and just recently to South Africa to announce it. So, And to see the reception and the enthusiasm in these foreign countries where, frankly, I wasn't even quite aware that they would know what HGTV was, but they all were, and they're all very excited about it. So yes, David has absolutely charged us all with, you know, what can we do to take these power brands that are so successful in the US and so successful on cable what can we do to maximize them in all kinds of opportunities? Are you tailoring, I would imagine you're tailoring some content for different markets, for different territories? A little bit. You know, one of the beauties of of HGTV is we have House Hunters International. So one of the things that we've done is, you know, that's a show that follows people buying homes in different countries. What we've done is we've, we've quickly regrouped the House Hunters International team. We're targeting the new international markets that we're launching in. So we're specifically going to start doubling down on shooting in those countries so that it gives domestic content to those new regions. So we'll shoot a lot of House Hunters International in Germany. We'll shoot a lot of episodes in the UK. We'll give our international partners, you know, what is considered local content for them. It also seems like an awesome, awesome extension of your talent scouting opportunities. Absolutely. You'll be in country. Absolutely. In a lot, of, in a lot yeah. more places. We're already looking at some Italian chefs. <laughs> Undoubtedly. <laughs> Tell me, I mean, I think from, from your comments about social, I think I know the answer, but can you talk about in this changing, very, you know, very fast changing marketplace, what, met, what are important metrics for you of success that are beyond Nielsen numbers? Well, because everything is changing, you know, and, and we all know that Nielsen has its flaws, but it is the metric that ad sales needs us to use. It is the currency. Um, but we, we'll look at rankings. You know, I, I'm so proud when we look on a night and we have the top four networks for women. I mean, even if maybe ratings aren't quite what they were a year ago as the, as the whole industry shrinks, we might still have number one, two, three, four easily on a night with our, with our four big networks. So, that is a very, you know, that's an important metric. What is the entire cable environment choosing to watch? How do, how do we sit in the ranking? Social is very important. You know, not only streaming, but what is Twitter talking about? What is, you know, what's Instagram talking about? Those are important metrics because those are our younger female fans. And that's, that's the reach play that we need. We need to be talking to those 35-year-old women, and they are on Twitter all day long. Um, the other thing, and this is sort of an, an unusual one, but... One of the sort of interesting measures of success for ID is 
do we help solve a crime? And the fact is, we do. You know, we, we've got a new show in pursuit with John Walsh. We now just helped through through a fan. We now just helped find the fourth missing fugitive since the series launched. I mean, that, that's a really kind of exciting, gratifying way to say fan engagement can be measured in different ways. Obviously, Nielsen doesn't yeah. care about that, but we care about it. Um, so fan engagement in sort of all the different ways, how many people will try a recipe that they saw Ina do, how many people will download a plan to you know build a pergola in their backyard that we featured on HG. There are lots of different ways that we can measure, and ad sales can participate in many of those things. So I'm always thinking about how can we monetize all this measurement? Well, there are lots of ways to monetize a lot of that engagement. Um, how did you get into the business of television programming? As I understand, you were a producer for CBS News for many years. I was a producer at CBS News for many years. I also did what you did. I was also a print reporter for many years. I am a journalist. Um, in my heart of hearts, I still like to think of myself a little bit as a journalist. But yes, my, my background is in journalism. Um, which I did for about 15 years, print and television, and I loved it. I mean, it was it was really great. It was sort of a strange transition to go into cable, um, but I had three little kids. Being a journalist traveling all over the world for CBS was not the easiest thing to do with three little children, especially since my husband is also a journalist. Um, so it was sort of a, a, an interesting switch, but the best career decision I've ever made. I mean, it's how it's, did that door open for you? Curious. Well, interestingly enough, the former president of CBS News ended up leaving CBS News. That was always a temporary job. We used to say in <laughs> <laughs> network news, you you were the president of a ne- of the, a network news division for a couple of years, and then they would move you on. Um, a terrific guy, and he ended up landing at Food Network. So he was running Food Network, and he called me up, and he and I wasn't really looking for a job, but he called me up. He said, "Hey." I'm working at Food Network now. We've got a lot of people who really know food, but we don't really have a lot of storytellers here. Would you ever think about coming over? And I had actually worked with Martha Stewart at CBS. I, I used to produce a lot of her segments at CBS when she was there. So I knew a little bit about food, and he said, you don't even need to know about food. I just need people who can tell stories. So I made the transition not knowing what to expect. Um, and it was scary, but it was the best decision I ever made. And it's, I've never looked back. Well, hundreds of shows later, and and for you know for many ardent fans of food and HGTV, it was it was a good it was a good move. It was a good decision. Thank you so much, Kathleen, for stopping by. I really enjoyed talking to you. Thank you, thank you so much. I've enjoyed it as well. Thanks for listening. Be sure to tune in next week for another episode of Strictly Business. Strictly Business.